Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. If you are a builder, remodeler, or contractor, this is your go-to resource for business growth strategies, as well as marketing and sales tactics. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders, construction professionals in the trenches, and from our team of digital marketing experts here at Builder Funnel. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 53 with Matthew Pollard. And Matthew is an author and he's also an international speaker and he is the rapid growth guy. And on this episode, we talk a lot about growth and that tends to look like marketing and sales. And so we dive into finding your niche and learning to tell powerful stories. And then we also weave that into how do you systematize your sales process and really use that as a way to leverage your growth. And so we really dive heavy into the weeds. Matthew is very energetic. He's got a lot of information to share. And this episode will go really fast for you. Um, But there's a ton of great stuff. So sit back, relax and enjoy episode 53 of Builder Funnel Radio. Hey, Matthew, glad to have you on the show today. Mate, I'm ecstatic to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm really ecstatic as well because I've been doing a little bit of research on you. And one of the first things I uh, learned was that you're also an introvert. I definitely am, uh, would consider myself an introvert. I think, uh, you know, when somebody says, hey, do you want to go network and and go party? And then it's like, yeah, usually the answer is no. And then if I do, I'm like exhausted after. So uh, I'm excited to kind of unpack that and how it relates to sales. But Um, you're also kind of known as the rapid growth guy. Um, I'm sure it wasn't always that way. So maybe how did you get into the business world? Kind of what was your first start into all this? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, my backgrounds, I mean, all those kind of stories go together. I mean, my backstory is that, you know, I I was responsible for five multi-million dollar success stories before I turned 30. And, you know, a lot of people will see me as I am today and they're like, oh, I can see why he's the rapid growth guy. But I had no idea how I was going to get there when I was younger. I mean, I was, I mean, my really young years, you know, I was, I was 16 when I was diagnosed with this thing called Erlen syndrome. But basically what it meant was I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school. And magically you put on a pair of glasses and you can see and (laughs) read, but you can't read like everyone else. You get to start learning to read. So for the first couple of years in my, you know, once I got these glasses, I hustled like crazy to, to get better and better at, at school. And then, you know, I got into the top 20% of the state, but I have to tell you, I mean, that was everything I had. It was all the energy I had. And my family could see that. They, they kind of knew that if I, I spent the next couple of years in university, I just wouldn't have made it. I just, unless I really knew what I wanted. So we all agreed that I was going to take a year off to find myself. You know, those kids. <laughs> sure. Find themselves. Yeah. No travel, right? <laughs> well, that, well, that, well, not in my family. In my family, we didn't grow up well off enough to do that. So I, I promised my family I'd find a job. And I actually took a job at a real estate agency. Oh, cool. And, which sounded great until, you know, less than a couple of weeks into my job, I got told that they're shutting down the office and I'd lost my job. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, this was just before Christmas in Australia. So, you know, no one's hiring. I mean, we take our summer break and our Christmas break at the same time. I mean, you're in business. I mean, how many people are you hiring, right? No one. Yeah. <laughs> but the only job I could find was commission only sales. And as an, in- I mean, I was reading speed of a sixth grader. I had horrible acne. You know, I, I did a presentation at the, the Texas Builders Association. I've done a couple of, you know, national builders associations. And I put up this photo of me at my sister's wedding with this horrible acne. And, you know, I show it for like a second and then I'm like, and now I'm changing this slide. <laughs> yeah. and, but it took me a long time to develop the confidence to do that. But I just, I felt like people needed to see it because otherwise people go, oh yeah, but it's easy for you. So there I was reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school, horrible acne, no confidence, no idea what I wanted to do with myself, just out of a job. And the only jobs I could find were these commission only sales roles because that's all that's hiring at Christmas time. My, you know, I went for a couple of job interviews and of course I got them all because they're commission only, they hire everybody. I mean, the one I did take has this saying, you know, we just throw mud up against the wall and see what sticks. Fun saying until, until you're the mud, right? Yeah. So I, I took one of these jobs begrudgingly and, you know, I got promoted into the business team from the interview because I was the only one that showed up in a suit. Like we're talking a black shine in the sun kind of sh- a suit lime green shirt, post office red tie, but that's all I had. And that got me into the business team. 
And, you know, day one, I, I remember I got, you know, after five days product training, not a single second of sales training, I get thrown on this road called Sydney Road in Melbourne, Australia, which is just like, this, like it's a thousand doors of retail stores on either side, which if you're going to get told no to, why not not have far to walk, right? Yeah. So I started and I just went door to door to door. And, you know, the first one I, I, I got told no. I got politely rejected, which was nice. Shortly after that, I got told to get a real job. Then I, I got sworn at. And, you know, it was tough. I mean, my 93rd door was when I was lucky enough to walk in and the person actually wanted telecommunications, which is what I was selling. And I made my first $70. Like I was ecstatic for like 45 seconds until I was like, oh my God, I got to do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next. <laughs> and for me, that just wasn't okay. So, I mean, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader. I couldn't exactly pick up a Brian Tracy or a Zig Ziglar book, but I convinced myself sales had to be a system. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of get hung up on, that you have to have this gift of gab to be able to sell. It's a natural ability. And I had to believe that it wasn't or my year was going to suck. And then luckily enough, they had this thing called YouTube out there back then. And it was just coming out and everybody knew it because of the cat videos, right? But, you know, I typed in sales system and some things came up and then I focused on a different element of the sales process every day. Shortly after that, it was like 45 doors and then it was 32 doors and then it was 12 doors and then it was eight doors then it was three like less than six weeks in my manager pulls me into his office he looked puzzled I thought I was in trouble and he's like Matt I have to tell you we're kind of blown away by this but you're the the number one salesperson in the company which happened to be the largest sales and marketing company in the southern hemisphere so wow. to put that in perspective it took six weeks from going from scared to sell to teaching you know, hundreds how to do it. I mean, they promoted me into management after that because anyone that can sell can manage, right? Right, yeah, of course. <laughs> Back to YouTube, had to learn how to do that. And then, you know, about a year in, I got overconfident. I started my own business. And, you know, my last business was interesting. You know, we were an educational company and we taught tradespeople how to sell. Uh, sorry, how to sell and how to run their businesses more effectively. And so I've always been really involved with the trade demographic. And a lot of times, you know, builders, plumbers, electricians, tilers, anyone that's working on a trade site, which is why when I got your offer to, to be on this podcast, I was like, finally, a podcast that's actually helping. I mean, let's face it, a lot of builders aren't trying to, to learn the things they need to get the edge. And that's why I was so ecstatic to get the invitation to, to do this, because the people that are listening to your show, they're the smart ones that are actually trying to make a difference in their business. Yeah, absolutely. They're working on it. They're working to improve. And I feel like that's the only way, you know, you just got to keep figuring things out. And um, I guess most of our listeners, you know, on that same vein, they're, they're looking to grow. And so I'm curious if you had to kind of break down a few components of how you achieve rapid growth, you know, anything come to mind there? Yeah. What, you know, what's interesting. So Teaching builders that sales is a process, like a step-by-step -step formula that just follow the bouncing ball and it'll get to the sale, as opposed to just saying whatever comes out of your mouth, which is what most people in building are saying. And especially the ones that are really hyper-educated in the building uh, trade tend to fill their sales pitches full of jargon. And a lot of times it just goes over people's heads and they struggle to really connect. So I've worked with a lot of, you know, multi-million dollar custom builders and they, you know, a lot of times will make their, their sales pitch too, you know, jargon intensive. They'll talk about all the details the customer doesn't want to hear. They just want to know, a, a, you know, a story of someone you worked with that had a great experience and you got a great outcome. So there are a couple of things that I always talk about or if you talk about my greater rapid growth formula, which is really around the concept of, discovering a unified message that excites and inspires prospects to want to know more. So when you go to a, a networking event, when somebody asks you what you do, you don't say, oh, I'm a builder. And then they go, oh, no, I've already got a house. And now you feel awkward, like you've got to shove them something down their throat or explain why you're different, right? Or they say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking at building a house. How much are you per square meter? Which is like the death question, because now you've got to try and avoid that, explain why you're better than everyone else, because you don't want to fight on price. So creating that unified message to get you outside that price conversation is really, really important. Once you do that, you then need to understand a niche. I mean, I see so many builders that they, they'll do any build, right? They'll focus on whatever build comes up because any build's a good build, right? We just need projects. But in truth, a lot of times the smaller builds, they actually don't make more money off and it's just 80% of the work that for their entire business and they're putting a lot more stress on themselves because 
here's the truth. Revenue isn't profit, right? So if you're not making all this profit off them and you don't a lot of times calculate the time that you spend dealing with their complaints and the, the, the issues that they give you. So a lot of times I find that a lot of people are working on any build, they're doing renos, they're doing all these things to try and make more revenue. But a lot of times that's not their profitable clients. It's not the ones that love them the most and they're not the ones that they, they do the best service for. And then some people are kind of in that middle band where they're doing, you know, six to $800,000 bills and they get that opportunity to work on the $7 million build or the $4 million build and they're not equipped to do that either. And that's also stressful. So it's like pick your marketplace, pick your niche. And also you can also have an outcome niche. I've worked with a lot of builders that are really great at woodwork and they do a wood feature inside the build. I've worked with others that are really good at building around the lake, but think they need to build wherever they're requested as opposed to just doubling down around what they know really well and then building that sales system. You know, I worked with a, a client actually out of Austin, Texas, and she was she was a builder and, you know, she was actually a female. And so a husband and wife couple and the husband, they were doing, you know, about six million in builds and they were doing really, really well um, revenue wise, but profit wise, not so, not so well. And she had hired a salesperson to take over the sales of the business when the husband, because the husband was working really hard on the builds they had. Sure. And that person just wasn't, you know, wasn't cutting it, wasn't doing it well. And she was super introverted. And I, I said to her, I said, you can't have this person that's not following any process be in charge of a build. We've got to get them to follow a program. And that person just wouldn't. So I said, you know, why don't you just do it? Her name was Bethany. I said, why, why don't you just do it? And she's like, well, I'm an introvert. I mean, I could never do that. Plus, let's face it, it's a building's kind of a male-dominated environment and a lot of people think that they need to speak to a male builder and that she saw as a, an issue. I mean, it's not true, but it was one of the, the issues that she had. Sure. So I helped her understand that sales being a process and she could actually, you know, follow a systematic process, you know, step by step. And one of the things, you know, while sales is a seven step process and my publisher hates me when I say this, you don't need to buy my book to know the seven steps. If you go to the introvertsedge.com, you can download the first chapter which includes the full seven-step process. And, you know, while a lot of people fill their first chapter with fluff to try and sell the rest of the book, mine has a full detailed step-by-step process because I'm on a mission of helping people understand as introverts they can sell. And if you do nothing more than grab that seven-step process, look at what you're currently saying with clients, look at what things that perhaps are out of order by what you're currently saying and then fit those elements in. If something doesn't fit into one of those steps, by the way, stop saying it to customers. You shouldn't be telling them that. It's the wrong thing to say. And then you'll realize that there are some pretty significant pretty significant gaps. The first one's going to be around asking great questions and the other one's going to be around telling great stories. And what I find with builders is if they focus on telling no more than three stories that they know really well, that they're their stories, they can really spend their time learning them, perfecting them. And stories are great because people remember 22 times more in information went in there embedded into stories. So all that jargon, if you embed it into stories, people are going to remember a lot more of it. Gives you an advantage over the other 10 people that are quoting. Now, obviously, you don't want to get to a bid, a bid process. But stories will also help shorten the sales cycle because you know studies out of Princeton show that our brains synchronize when we tell stories because people love them. It's what we've been trained since the dawn of time to, to really develop relationships and rapport with. So it activates what's called the reticular activating system, which builds natural rapport. So they don't even ask you for a bid. They're like, absolutely, let's work together. And then the other great thing about stories is it short circuits the logical brain and you speak directly to the emotional brain. So because of that, you're given a huge advantage because the logical brain's like, I don't know if that'd work for me. I don't know if I want that. I don't know if you've got the skill set. You know, the emotional brain, you know, when it hears a story, it short circuits the logical brain. It just goes story time and it listens. And it doesn't listen to all the detail. It assumes that as fact. And it listens for the moral, which is I've worked with someone just like you who had your concerns and we've, we've got them a successful outcome. Or I work with someone just like you who was looking for the same thing and now they're ecstatically happy. So with Bethany, what we did was we created these three feature point stories. One around, you know, that person that wants the best of everything. And then, you know, they always get the quote and they're like, oh, that's too much. So how to, you know, really restrict the, uh, help them understand a story of somebody that then realized that they could get everything a lot cheaper, um, you know, by looking at middle of the range stuff that you couldn't tell the difference with and therefore saved a bunch of money. And that's the whole point of going with a, 
a builder that really cares about your bottom line. Uh, also, another story was really around the design build frame, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, having the two together makes a big difference. And so there, there, were, there were a few stories that we created. And you, with every builder, it's different. You can, you know, we create these, you know, three major stories that really separate them from everybody else. And the benefit of doing that is that the customer listens and goes, wow, this person really understands me. They've worked with people just like me. I get it. Absolutely. I want to work with, with this person. And that transforms everything. So I guess the suggestion that the number one suggestion that I would have is with builders, the biggest win is understanding sales as a process and making sure that you ask, don't just ask general questions, ask direct questions and then have great stories. Now you can make all of that a lot less heavy lifting for you if you know your niche and you have a message, because if they're already excited and inspired to want to know more about you, if they're your niche of absolute ideal clients, then you know exactly what stories to tell and those stories will always speak to the exact want within that purchasing decision for that client. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and I think uh, there are a few things in there that I want to dive into a little bit more. And one of those is, is a niche, you know, and that's one of the things that we realized we didn't start our agency uh, in the niche. We kind of service everybody. As soon as we said, Hey, we're going to focus, everything got easier um, but I find the same thing with a lot of, you know, builders, remodelers, and, you know, you go to the website and it says, hey, we're a family owned business, been around for 20 plus years, and we focus on high quality and customer service. And, you know, I look at a lot of those websites, they almost all say the same thing. Some are 30 years, some are 20 years, but um, how, and if you're- one, been around for three months, still says they provide quality service. Right, exactly. <laughs> so if, if you're in their shoes, and that's kind of your USP right now. How do you go about uncovering the niche or how to focus and, and saying no to those like really high-end jobs or the low-end jobs and kind of just honing in on what you're good at? So we've got to remember why we're in business. And the reason we're in business is to make profit, right? So what we want to do is find the niche that makes us the most profit where we still get to go home at night and spend time with our family. So if you take the $9 million build or the $5 million build, and that's not what you're equipped to do, well, it's going to be really stressful for you and you're not going to get to see your family much for the next what, 9, 12 months, what it takes to build that. If you're taking a lot of the, you know, I had a client out of Missouri that, you know, they were taking on clients that were, you know, they were doing remodels because, you know, they, they were like, well, we've got the team, let's do, let's do remodels. They were doing two and $300,000 homes and they were trying, you know, they're not doing multi, multi-million dollar builds. I mean, they're doing some, but not many in Missouri. So because of that, you know, th- when we looked at what they were doing, they were like, well, the average client that we tend to be servicing that, you know, not our wants client, not our ideal client, but the clients we tend to be servicing are all in that 20 to 30 year old range. And they're all looking for the three to $400,000 builds. And we really want to be six to $800 bill, $1,000 builds but we don't know how to attract that audience. And I said, well, look, give me a second. Just looking at your website, you talk about the fact you do renovations, you talk about the fact that you do these other things and the number one house on your website, it looks like a $400,000 build to me. So I'm looking at it as an $800,000 buyer going, oh, they're not in my price range because I'm up here. So you're actually disqualifying your ideal client. I said, so if you're me, I feel like you're talking to the wrong client. And I said, and they're like, yeah, but, you know, we're getting all that. We can't disqualify those people out. I said, here's the trouble that I find. I said, one of the things that I find is that when we have not enough clients, not enough prospects, we tend to say, well, I want to sell to anyone. Anyone's a good customer. The problem is that that means that they're also going to other people just like you, and there's nothing that separates you from everyone else. So when you've got less economies of scale, less proof of concept, you know, less, you know, testimonials, less experience. The last thing you want to do is go like for like because you probably also have less economies of scale and you're going to be more expensive because of that. But then even once you get to become the number one builder in your area, you still don't want to do that. It makes no sense. So what I said is what we need to do is disqualify out the, um, the people that you don't want to work with by changing the messaging. So what we realize is the people that are building the six to $800,000 builds they're people that are getting closer to retirement. They're people that are perhaps now getting to the point of empty nesting and they want to have their dream house 
you know, in their dream area with all the dream things that they want and they want to spend their entire life at this home, you know, and they, they, they see it as, you know, their, their home they're going to spend the rest of their lives in. So we built the messaging around that. We reframed the imagery to speak to that demographic, to show that level of demographic. We built the messaging that the customer received around building your forever home. And what we found is within the space, it literally it took six months. I mean, these people were, I mean, they were working 80, 90 hours a week, two of them, husband and wife couple, working that period of time in their business, doing remodels, doing two to $300,000 builds, they are making the same revenue now. They are doing less builds and their profit has gone from struggling to make a six-figure income to making, you know, three, four times more within the space of just such a short period of time. You know, I got a wonderful testimonial from a uh, from the couple because it's just made a transformative difference. You know, I you know, one of the other clients that I worked with was, you know, building, they were, they were actually in North Carolina, which is where I live that they, they were going through the process of trying to work out their messaging and they were trying to compete with all of these other builders in their area. So they had this broad message that spoke to everyone and we realized that they specialize in building by this lake. So we built all the branding around that. So what happened was all the luxury builds were being built on, on that lake and all of the others, they felt like they had to get business from there because they were losing out some of the deals on the lake. So we built the messaging around their speciality on building on the lake. And then all of a sudden they were the only logical choice in that group. Right. So the framing, there's the, the framing really is, and you know, it's, it's really interesting. There's a, a really good example that I tell quite frequently, which is, you know, most people, they tend to look at examples they look at their functional skill and they try to build their branding around that. So then they start talking about quality of service and, you know, the fact that they're cheaper price because what the hell else can you compete on, right? right. <laughs> and because of that, they end up competing on price when they are a, a unique set of, you know, they've got different life experiences, you know, they live in different places, they have got past upbringings, past customers, past experience that perfectly qualifies them to help a specific demographic where they are the only logical choice. You know, it's funny, I worked with a, a language coach of all things out of California and, you know, she taught kids and adults Mandarin and she came to me and she's like, Matt, I, I'm really struggling. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling with the fact that there are now other people moving into my area and I've been charging 50 to $80 an hour for private language tuition for years and now there are people willing to charge $30 to $40 an hour to get their first clients. There's also, you know, now we live in this global economy, there are people that are willing to charge $12 an hour on Craigslist from China. And yeah. now there are free apps. I'll teach you Chinese, you teach me English. You know, let's not charge anyone anything. It's like, how do I compete against that? And in truth, you can't. What you've got to look at is how you can sidestep altogether. So for Wendy, we looked at what she did with her customers. And of all the customers she worked with, there were two specific people she helped with more than just language tuition. These were executives being relocated across to China. And, you know, she helped them with these three things. The first one was this concept called Galaxy. You know, like, for instance, if I tried to sell you something at the end of a 45-minute meeting, if I was a really bad salesperson, I would say, so do you want to move forward? And you would say, yes, no, or everyone's favorite, let me think about it. Or in the build, building industry, sure, can you send me through a bid, right? It's, you know, and if I was to contact you a week from now and you still said you wanted to think about it, I know my chances of getting that sale are getting less and less. Well, in China, they want to meet with you five or six times before they even discuss business. They're probably going to want to see you drunk over karaoke once or twice. <laughs> it's just who they are. And it's because they're talking not 12 or 24 month deals or one project, they're talking 50 to 100 year contracts a lot of time. So it's more important the kind of person that they're doing business with than the term of the contract. She helped them understand also the difference between e-commerce in China and e-commerce in the Western world. And the third, she helped them understand the importance of respect. Like, you know, learning the language is not enough. You've got to try and reduce your accent. It's not important that you sound like them. It's important that you're perceived to be trying. That's respectful. And I said, when are you doing so much more for these people than just language tuition? What are you doing? She's like, what do you mean? I'm just, I'm just trying to help. And I said, you're stuck in your functional skill. And this is what I see builders do all the time. When I meet with them, they're always like, there's nothing different about me. You know, I do everything exactly, you know, I'm a little, I've got a little bit more education, but they're thinking so functionally. I said, Wendy, is it fair to assume as a result of the assistance that you're giving these people, they're going to be more successful when they get to China? And she's like, yeah, I, I mean, that's the point, right? 
I said, so why don't we call you the China Success Coach? Forget about all these other people you're teaching men are in. That's a commoditized marketplace. Let's call you the China Success Coach and, and forget about teaching men are. Let's, let's create a China Success Intensive. I mean, this ended up being a five-week program that worked with the spouse, the, the, the kids and the spouse uh, and, you know, anyone that was going in that family unit to be successful when they, when they got there. And then when he's like, well, this is great, you know, I love the idea, but who do I sell it to? And I'm like, well, who do you think your client is? And this is the other thing I see with builders. They're just waiting for that inquiry on their website, right? They don't look at building any partnerships or, you know, look for who their ideal client is. For Wendy, I said, well, who do you think your client is? And she said, well, obviously it's the executive. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I was terrified when I moved from Australia to the United States. I get it. They're going to be terrified. I mean, these people don't even speak the same language. I said, but it's not your ideal client. She said, well, obviously, you know, the company will pay. So that's the ideal client. I said, yeah, I mean, a lot of times they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars riding on an executive being successful, but still not your ideal client. She's like, well, who then? And I said, well, your ideal client's the immigration attorney. She's like, what? I said, well, think about it. Every time I go to China, you go to China, you got to get a visa, you know, to work there. I said, so why not just partner with the immigration attorneys? And I mean, that, it's an interesting industry. They'd be lucky. They charge about five to seven thousand for doing a visa, but they'd be lucky to make about three thousand dollars after all the paperwork bureaucracy. I said, just offer them three grand for a successful introduction. They loved it. They were like three thousand for a simple introduction. What would I have to say? And we said, simple. All you got to do is say congratulations. You've now got your visa. I just want to double check you're as ready as possible to be relocated across to China. And they would say. Yeah, I think we're good. You know, we got our visa now. Thank you. We got our place sorted. We're learning the language. Kids are getting pretty good at it too. I think we're set. And they just respond with, "There's a lot more to it than that." I think you need to speak to the China Success Coach. And Wendy would then get on the phone with the easiest client in the world, and she charged thirty thousand dollars for this program. So minus a three thousand dollar commission, she made twenty seven thousand dollars for the easiest sale in the world. That is the power of a unified message and understanding your niche, because as soon as you do you can start to figure out what partners make sense. Hey guys, just a quick announcement before we get to the rest of today's episode. We've been getting a ton of feedback on our Done For You social media program. Now, if social media has been a frustration of yours or you feel like you're not posting enough, this is the perfect solution for you. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special promotion going on right now. So just head over to remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at the checkout. So if you want to get more engagement and more people finding you on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, hit pause really quick and check out remodelersocialmedia.com and use the code radio at checkout. All right, back to the show. Now for builders, every time I speak to someone, it's always, oh, there is no difference between me and the industry, right? There absolutely is. And I've worked with so many builders and spoken in front of so many builder groups and every single time with less than two or three questions worth of interrogation, because they're so stuck on their functional skill, so therefore it has to be service, they forget about the things that make them unique. And within a period of like three questions, we come up with some amazing uniqueness. So one of the things that I challenge people to do, and my suggestion is this exercise I'm going to suggest, don't do it with another builder, because <laughs> they understand all of your industry jargon too which means they're not going to see the value in what you know, differences you provide. But there is a five-step template that will help you create a unified message and discover a niche of willing to buy clients. You can download it at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth. If you download that, then it'll give you that five-step process. You know, I did this at the National Freelance Conference. There were plenty of builders in that group. And I said, you know, at the end of 45 minutes, 45 minute session, you know, put your hand up if you've now got, you know, a unified message that excite and inspire people to want to know more and you've identified a niche of people that will pay you what you're worth. Like 97% of the room put their hands up, which sounds great, but remember it was a 45 minute session. And when I said, keep your hands up, if this is the most time you've spent working on your business in its marketing since you started your business, like 85% of the room kept their hands up. So my suggestion would be download that at matthewpollard.com forward slash growth, find a buddy, do it with that buddy, not from the building industry, block out two hours and you'll find you'll have a transformative difference in the way you communicate about what you do in the networking event. So instead of saying, you know, I'm a builder, you'll have your version of the rapid growth guy, the China success coach that you can use to get people to go, what exactly is that? And now you can explain on their invitation, which transitions that energy. Then 
if you know your niche, you've gone to the right networking events or you've joint ventured with the right people and then your stories are going to hit home every single time. And that's why I've seen builders go from, you know, six to $18 million in less than 12 months because they've known their niche so all their time's not wasted. Every single meeting that they have with a client is speaking to the right ideal client where they're the only logical choice because their sto- and their stories have all hit home. So of course they're closing more deals and everybody that's listening can have that too. They've just got to do, and I know it's hard, stop for a second and really think about their business strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And I, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, you know, you were talking about how we get so stuck in the craft and we kind of, all we can see is the functional part of it, I guess. And, and I like that. And I think it also applies to sales or sometimes being introverted. You feel like, oh, I'm, I'm really good at my craft. I kind of like being alone doing this, you know, this thing, but you realize, oh, now I'm in business. I need to be selling, you know? So, uh, I know you have the book, The Introvert's Edge. Um, I'm assuming there's some kind of uh, crossover there into sales and how that can give you an edge. So I kind of like to hear from you, you know, for anybody that's listening where they see themselves as like a craftsman or maybe an introvert, uh, but they do have to sell. Like that's how you're going to put money on the table, you know, or food on the table, money in the door, however you say it. Um, but yeah, I guess, what would you tell those folks? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you keep mentioning the book and we'll get to that. And again, I explained why publisher hates me when I do this, <laughs> but there is actually an article that I think might help even more than my book that I wrote to help cover the answer to this question. I wrote an article called dedicate 20% of your time to higher prices and less stress. And here's why I find that business peak functional skill experts like builders tend to avoid sales. And we'll talk about the, the why we avoid it uh, you know, when, we, when, I, when I talk about you know, the details in the introvert's edge because that'll add a lot of clarity. But what I find is people tend to go, oh my gosh, I've got no clients. I need to hustle. They then do all the uncomfortable stuff. They do it the wrong way and they're also desperate. So they're struggling to get a client, which means they're willing to discount. And that means they're charging much less than what they're worth and Because of that, they end up with a client, obviously, that's probably not the ideal one that's asking for more than what they should and a builder going, you got a deal. Why are you you treating me like this? And it's never good for anyone. You know, I worked with a a client that actually, she used to do the movie clips for like Fox Studios and (laughs) all the little sizzles, you know, uh, teaser videos we see. And she would go head down into into a job and she'd work like 90 hours a week in to do that, to deliver it in four weeks for the client. And then she'd wake up, she'd do the delivery and she'd realize she doesn't have another client. And then for a week, she'd freak out, she'd call me and I'm like, why didn't you follow the process we agreed? And she'd be like, I don't have time to do that now. And she'd then hustle to do the same thing. She'd get a client, she'd discount to get a client quickly. Again, the client treated her poorly because of that. And then the, she'd just go around in circles. And I kept saying just this one thing, tell the client you'll deliver in five weeks, not four. And she's like, no, no, I need to deliver in five, four weeks because the client needs it urgently. I said, just, just try. Client didn't care. It was her want to go into the functional element. And the deal I made with her is that one day a week she would spend, you know, reaching out to people, speaking to people, using her network, which wasn't even as hardcore of a sale as what she had to do in that week. And that way she'd already done a few proposals. Their timelines weren't a problem because she still was busy for the next couple of weeks. And she'd always have another deal lined up. And funnily enough, within six months of doing that, she was charging a fortune more than what she was charging. So for the builders, there's an article that I wrote in CEO magazine, but you can actually access it at my LinkedIn profile. If you go to, I think it's linkedin.com forward slash Matthew Pollard speaker, you can, but just look up Matthew Pollard, uh, P-O-L-L-A-R-D.com. I've got to learn how to pronounce my American R. <laughs> we'll, we'll link it up in the show notes. So, <laughs> so when, you, uh, when you go to that, there's an article that says, dedicate 20% of your time to higher prices and less stress. That is where I would start. But to answer your question around sales, you're right. I mean, most functional skill experts, they either are introverted or they never got into business to be selling. Unfortunately, their business is going to close unless they have an amazing salesperson on their team. You know, Peter Thiel, writer of um, a book called uh, Zero to One, has an amazing quote. If you look around your office and all you see is just you and your computer, 
If you don't see any salespeople, guess what? You're the salesperson, right? <laughs> so the framing that I would tell you is you have to sell, right? And in truth, even if you're working for someone, you're still selling. You're selling to get the job. You're selling to get promoted. You're selling to get a pay rise. In business for yourself, you just have to do it more frequently. But the good news is if you don't hide away from it, you know, I had a client, Derek Lewis, that uh, he was the actual person that ghost wrote this book with me. When I met him, he was struggling to make any money and he was trying to communicate with all his customers via email. And I'm like, Derek, what do you think your clients don't like doing? And he's like, probably writing. And I'm like, so how are you communicating with your clients again? These long in-depth emails. I'm like, dude, I have to tell you, I wouldn't want to work with you even if you were charging $5 because it was really uncomfortable. He convinced himself that people couldn't afford him. But in truth, they just didn't like the sales process. I mean, you know, this is a guy that struggled to make any money. You know, he made 27 in 2013, 12 in October of 2014. Literally told him to respond to his clients by saying, John, so glad that you reached out. I just checked out your website and I love the things that you're doing. As a matter of fact, I just worked with a client very similar to you and we had an amazing uh, ghost author relationship. However, writing a book like this all comes down to relationship, which is why I like to get on a phone call with you to make sure you and I are a personality fit. Plus, I have a few questions I need to ask before I can give you a specific price. Below is a link to my scheduling app. You know, look, uh, I look forward to speaking with you soon, right? Simple email. They then booked a phone call following a seven-step process full of stories. I mean, he made he, he said they couldn't afford him at 20000 within four weeks he'd made a $40,000 sale in a 40 minute phone call. One phone call that booked in within six weeks, he'd made 80 by the end of the year, he'd made 120. The following year he made just shy of 300. I mean, this guy made 250,000 last month. So as a, as a business owner, think about the excuses that you give yourself. Like I'm not a natural salesperson. People can't afford me. Everyone's trying to get, get the cheapest price. You can't trust the customer, which I hear a lot in the building trade. They say they don't have a budget, but they actually do. No, you haven't told them why having a budget for you is so important. They think price is price per square meter. And we all know in the building trade, that is not the case, right? So if they want the job done right, you need to explain why you're the exact right choice. So the, what we tend to do is we tend to avoid selling because it's uncomfortable and more so because we don't feel that we can do it. So the whole concept around the introvert's edge, especially now I have to, I'll level with you. The book works for introverts and extroverts. The reason why it works more specifically for introverts is an extrovert loves the fact they can just wing it and they've got that gift of gab. And because of that, they don't gravitate to a system. Now, it would still be more effective if they did follow a system, but they tend not to. An introvert, on the other hand, we know we suck at selling from the start. So because of that, we gravitate to a system. As a matter of fact, we hold on to it for dear life. We're great preparers. And as soon as we realize that it's a system, we become an absolute champion of the system. And it's one thing that's really helpful is by it being a system, it's external to ourselves. So it's not a personal reflection. We don't feel it as much. But the second thing is once we use a system to, you know, if somebody asks price too soon, to say, oh, we'll get to that. But we need to ask more questions to understand what they need before we can get to it. But having a, a process for that. Once we understand all the steps, we can stop our empathy being a disadvantage and it starts becoming a massive advantage. Also, we're amazing listeners. And because of that, we do a much better. That's why I think introverts have a massive advantage, right? It's because we're great listeners. We have huge amounts of empathy and we're willing to do the prep. And because of that, we, when we gravitate to a system that really systemizes out all the hustle and the uncomfortability that we don't like, we become amazing. Now, I've also seen extroverts gravitate to this system somewhat begrudgingly sometimes. You know, I worked with a commercial real estate company and I taught the introverts and the extroverts how to sell this you know, through story and using a sales system. And the extroverts actually got success faster than the introverts because they, they used the stories and it worked. But then they started to gravitate away <laughs> and the introverts over the space of about six months got better and better and better. An introvert that literally in his own words, he made one appointment that was borderline useless in the six months earlier. He was the number one salesperson in that company within that six month period. He was the, he, he won what's called the top dog award in their office, which he was the first junior partner to have ever won it. And that was so embarrassing for all the extroverts that they <laughs> went back and learned that system. 
So the reason why I think this book's really helpful, again, even if you just download the first chapter at theintrovertsedge.com, is that it will give you a step-by-step method. And, you know, I mean, this isn't new stuff. Brian Tracy used to say the top 10% of all sales performers have a brand presentation, introvert or extrovert, regardless. The bottom 80% just say whatever comes out of their mouth. And especially in complex sales like building, right, and technology and finance, which I do a lot of work within, it's even more so the case that if you say whatever you comes out of your mouth, you're going to be a low performer and the extroverts will have an advantage because at least they're charismatic. But if you follow a planned presentation, you will have an advantage over all your competition. If the system that you're using leverages the power of story, then it'll be like your secret superpower. And you go from, let me consider you and three other people to, you know, I was sitting with my wife and we agreed that we were not going to sign a building contract with anybody in this meeting, but we just felt so comfortable with you. At some point in the conversation, we just looked at each other and we both nodded. And so, yeah, we, we want to go forward. That is the transformative difference a strong sales process will have. And it's funny, like a lot of times, you know, I, I, I'll have a phone call with somebody and, you know, it'll, it'll end up being a, a, a sales call or something like that. And I will say to somebody, I'll say at the end of this, part of my job is to educate you and the other part of my job is to obviously to, to, to see whether or not my free content, my academy or my one-on-one service will work for you. And, but when, when it goes, you know, and sometimes I'll have a phone call and my goal is really just to help people for 30 minutes. But, you know, if it ends up being a dialogue about my one-on-one service or my academy, at the end of that, I'll say, you know, and I've taught my team to do the same thing. I'll say at the end of this, you know, I just need you to understand that what we just did was a sales process. However, you laughed out loud a few times. So did I. I had a great time. I hope you did too. What we just did was a sales process though. Did you see how it was just comfortable? It was a natural step-by-step process, yet we just got to a sale and there was no bulldog sales techniques, no hard closing. I hope there was no uncomfortability. And they're like, yeah, I didn't feel it. I'm like, that's the way sales is supposed to be done. See, sales originally was derived from the Scandinavian word to serve. And somehow it got that used car salesman feel. And (laughs) now it's it's horrible. But the goal is that sales, the way we now define it, is me with my greasy hair staring at you, beating you down until you're willing to sign a contract, hopefully on the day, as opposed to explain to me what your needs are, explain to me what you want. And your ideal clients, you want to understand that you're right fit anyway. And then you come around and you consult with them about whether or not this is the right choice. And if it isn't the right choice, they shouldn't be working with you. Recommend them out if it is the right choice. And if you pick your niche right, then you should be attracting only those. You'll make more money, you'll have less stress, and gosh, you'll get to work with your favorite type of clients and you'll have a lot more case studies. Yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, so I've got a few more kind of rapid fire questions to close this out. But before I get to that, I guess if somebody wants to learn a little bit more about you or how they can connect, I know you've listed out a few links, but what's the best place to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so I put, I think I've got like a thousand videos on social media that teach you different things. So I would check out, you know, Matthew, my LinkedIn profile, my Facebook, my Instagram, but you know, type matthewpollard.com into Google, um, or just type Matthew Pollard into Google and it'll come up, but I'm at matthewpollard.com. Um, so you can, you know, definitely check out uh, that website. There's a huge amount of you know, blogs and different pieces of information that I, you know, I, I do my best, I mean, because I learned off YouTube, right? So there was so much value given to me for free. I do my best to provide a wealth of knowledge for people for free. But the thing that I always challenge people to do during podcasts like this is to do the legwork themselves. I mean, the first chapter at theintrovertsedge.com will absolutely help you fix that sales process. And for those that buy the book, the chapter five on storytelling is going to be the biggest one for you to really focus on. And then because, you know, I can't help everybody. And, you know, I, I also have in the back of the book, there's a whole series of bonuses. It's implementation video training. So once you've read the book, you can go to the act of implementing it into your business through a completely free video training that walks you through it. So I would suggest, you know, read the first chapter at least, dedicate time to really, you know, a couple of hours to really looking at what you say in the sales process. And then also checking out matthewpollard.com forward slash slash growth and working with someone again outside the industry to do that five-step template to come up with that defining unified message and discovering your niche and it surprises me how hard it is for people to confirm what they really already know that exercise will allow you to do it and if you struggle 
with making a decision because in step three, there's going to be some pretty tough choices that you'll have to make. I tend to find it's because you've lost track of your passion, your purpose behind why you started the business in the first place and your alignment is wrong. So there's a podcast episode. I created a podcast a while ago called Better Business Coach and there's a podcast episode. It's episode 17. It's called Forget About Goals, Why is the Key to Success? And I suggest that if you're struggling to make those tough decisions, in step three of that template, then go and listen to that podcast and really do that exercise. Spend a couple of hours doing that and you'll have transformative differences in the decision-making that you make. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's great. And we'll make sure to throw all these links in the show notes so people can get to those easily. Um, so Matthew, I got a few, uh, few more questions. We call this the fast five segment. So I've got some, some quick hitters for you. Uh, they'll, they'll probably be easy, but uh, yeah, curious, what's your favorite business book and why? I like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm. And I think that the reason for it is, you know, I always, I love the, the especially his second one in the called Cashflow Quadrant. But I, he breaks up people's career trajectories by business owner, investor, self-employed or employee. And a lot of builders want to be business owners, but they're actually, you know, self-employed. And if they're not in their business. So, you know, I speak at the entrepreneurial organizations a lot, which are called EO. And there's a lot of builders in there that are trying to get out of the hustle of running their business so they can, you know, run, you know, work on their business. So, you know, for me, I think that book for people that are really starting, and, you know, a lot of people here, you know, that are listening to this are probably thinking of it as a business, but are probably stuck in that self-employed mindset still. I think Cashflow Quadrant, you know, by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, is a, sorry, um, or the, the greater series heading Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great book for that. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right. Most inspirational person in your life, who would that be? Probably my father, because he was the the one that, you know, it's, I've, I've always cared about, you know, there, there are a couple of other people that, I mean, are just amazing in my life, like Jim Cathcart, Ivan Meisner. Jim Cathcart's the number one most award-winning speaker in the world. Ivan Meisner is the founder of BNI, the world's largest networking group. And I, you know, I'm, I've, friendship relationships with both of them. I go to their house frequently and we talk, talk all the time. However, if you're asking for the most, my father, absolutely. I mean, he was the one that I was too scared to tell that I didn't have a job. So I went out and applied for commission only jobs. He's the one that's always pushed me. He's also the one that wouldn't take all of my excuses around my reading issues and told me, yeah, all right, other people have got issues as well. So I think that I've got this saying now, which is the adversities we uh, we have in life seed the success of our future. And I think it's because the world didn't work for me and my father pushed me to find another way that it really did seed the success of my future. So absolutely, yeah, definitely my father. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's cool. Um, all right, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? <laughs> well, in, in my book, I actually think introverts do have a superpower, which we have un amazing amounts of empathy. Um, but if you asked me, God, I'd want to fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Hard not to. Yeah. Um, all right. Describe yourself in three words. Well, that's easy. Um, rapid growth guy. Man, that one was too easy. Dang. <laughs> well, you got lucky because that's the same question we asked for everybody. So. Oh. All right. Uh, last question. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that the, the number one piece of advice that I would give anyone, and you know, from when we spoke before, you told me that you know, it's predominantly a building audience, but a lot of these people are, a bit, are business owners, is that, and this actually comes out of Cashflow Quadrant, uh, a lot of people in life, they don't start moving down that path until all the lights are green throughout the journey. And in business, that's just not the way it works. You've just got to continue down that path and hope that the light goes green before you get there and study like crazy to make sure that it does. You know, I'm not a big fan of the people, you know, the secret kind of people that are like, I'm just going to wish it so and it will going to happen, but wish it so and then put great hard work behind it. Absolutely. So I think that the one piece of advice that I would give people is, I hope, I hope people have enjoyed this episode today. You know, as an introvert, I always care that people actually care about what I say, not that I was just entertaining. 
<laughs> However, the thing that I would suggest to everybody that is listening is this was an absolute pointless experiment of futility, if you like, if you don't actually do those exercises or if you don't at least listen to somebody else as a result of this and then work on your business rather than in it. I mean, small business, a lot of times it can be a hamster wheel of just hustling. And every day you tell yourself it's going to get better. And that is the definition of wishing. If you want to get out of the hamster wheel, I mean, in truth, in business, you have to have a unified message. You've got to discover a niche of willing to buy clients because without that, you can't create packaging and pricing that stimulate purchasing behavior, you know, strong stories that work. And you can't be on the right podcast, right? And, and you also can't develop a sales system that nails it every single time. So start working on your business, not in it. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Matthew, I'm sure that people got a ton of value out of this because, yeah, I feel like it, it flew by and it was action-packed. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Mate, it was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Hey, guys, like I said, that was a fast-paced episode, but there was a ton of good information in there. Um, let's talk action items. I know you're on the go. You're at the gym. You're in your car. Uh, there were a couple of big ones. There were probably lots and lots of little ones, but I think the two big ones were um, go ahead and download that first chapter. Like uh, Matthew suggested, he talked about um, that sales process and really breaking that down, identifying the steps. And then the other one was that exercise uh, where you can go through and start to figure out what is your niche? Who is your target market? How can you start saying no to more people so that it's easier to close those deals that are those perfect fit clients. So those were the two big action items that I think if you take steps on those, you'll start to see some big wins uh, very, very quickly. So again, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, tons of great information in there and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Builder Funnel Radio. I know there are a lot of podcast choices out there, so it really means a lot to me that you choose this as one you either subscribe or listen to regularly. Now, before we part ways for today, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you got some value out of today's episode, please either leave us a review or share this with a friend. We're really working on building a community of construction professionals that want to treat their customers right, they want to run profitable businesses, and create more jobs in our economy. So leaving a review or sharing it with a friend really helps us build that community, and we'd really, really appreciate it. All right, guys, that's all I've got for today. So we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.